This is Author Talk, presented by Author House, the leading provider of services to help authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Author Talk is a show about new books and the authors who wrote them. It's an opportunity for prospective readers to hear directly from the writers, to hear what inspired them to write and publish, and to hear all the inside details about their books. Here is Author Talk with host Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, It's Time to Play Outside. 101 Ways for Your Young Child to Enjoy Independent Fun Under the Sun. And the author is Miska Reinsberger, and Miska joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Miska. Hello, thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being with us and helping us to understand how to help our young children have fun outdoors, and there are all kinds of things to do, 101 ways, and I'm sure that's just the beginning, but you've opened up a whole new world. Let me read what you have written about your book. You say this, This book offers 101 fresh ways for a caretaker of young children to take five minutes of setup time initiating creative, independent play outdoors using everyday objects found in a typical house or yard. The activities are easy to read, lighthearted, and often poke a little fun at the perilous situation parents of young children find themselves in. It gives a lot of tips, which are teachable moments and how the child's young mind learns, and that is throughout the whole book. Well, it sounds very, as you put, a fresh way It sounds refreshing as well for adults who are so frustrated of how to get their kids outdoors. What was the motivation? What happened? I'm sure you were frustrated. (laughs) Yep, I had one of those very typical moments. Um, It was actually last fall, and in Michigan we had just a beautiful blue sky, 80-degree day in October. And here in Michigan you know that that's about the last hurrah before we all have to downshift into hibernation mode. Um, I had taken our children for a hike in the morning. We ate lunch on the deck. Um, And then I got to the point in the day I needed to get a few household jobs done. So I told the 5-year-old and 3-year-old to continue playing outdoors while I folded laundry, paid bills, yada, yada. Um, And I had hardly had the last sock pulled from the dryer, and I heard the little feet pattering up behind me, and the two children complained there was nothing to do outside. And in that moment, I just, I drew a blank as well. Um, yeah, well, and to be fair, I've grown accustomed to that feeling on years of low sleep and lack of coffee. And um, the best I could come up with in that moment was just, I said, look again. Um, and so that night, I went online and I looked for a book of activities that young children could play outdoors, either with a parent or independently. And I found some really cool books detailing things like making a birdhouse with your kids or wiring together rocket kits, but I couldn't find any books that had ideas that could be carried out primarily independently. And I feel like it's these types of moments that easily fall victim to the TV or to video games. Um, So I wrote out a few new ideas that I thought might spark some creative play in the kids the next time I saw that blank look on their faces. Um, And these few ideas worked so well for the kids that it grew into 101 activities. Um, And so now it's organized. There's activities for every season. There are some simple science experiences and um, sidewalk chalk prompts. 
So a nice variety for people to choose from. Well, this high-tech generation that we're raising uh, still are kids, and they need to get out and let their imagination run so they can even be more, I guess, effective using this high-tech, all this equipment that we have today. You know, you're right. I think we want to try to find a happy medium. Um, I think, I, I believe there's like this perfect storm of indoor stimuli that's converging on this generation of children. You know, TVs offer 500 channels to choose from. Um, back in my day, 37 years ago, Saturday morning cartoons were a treat. And I remember being sick one afternoon on a weekday afternoon, and my only option to watch on TV was some lady doing penmanship lessons. Um, so the options are just endless today. And video games transport kids to another dimension, and they have graphics that rival even the best kids' imagination. So it has become such an easy crutch to reach for when children need to be pacified. That's part of the reason I believe childhood is moving indoors. And I don't want to be the spreader of doom and gloom, but there was a study done by the University of Michigan Um, that found that the average American child now spends seven minutes in unstructured outdoor play and seven hours plugged into some electronic screen each day. Wow. And at the same time, the Centers for Disease Control tells us that the incidences of childhood obesity, diabetes, ADD, asthma, even nearsightedness are on the rise. So it's really critical that children as early as comfortably possible are allowed to play, learn, and grow up outdoors. Well, you quote an author, uh, Richard Louv, is it? Yes, Richard Louv. The last child in the woods that today children suffer from this chronic disease called nature deficit. Yes, and nature deficit disorder he describes as the, the cost of human alienation from nature. And it's it's a, it's a price that children are paying for the parents' decisions in their lives, and some of these conditions are irreversible. Um, and it's, we all want our children to grow up to make healthy decisions and, um, and lead toward a healthy lifestyle, and it begins with the decisions that we lead them to in early childhood. Well, you put it that there's no need with your book to purchase more toys, batteries, or DVDs. It's all within your child in the yard. It's time to play outside. So why don't we talk about, let's see, there's the four different seasons in your book. That's remarkable in and of itself. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there are some activities that are really seasonal dependent. So some of them you need to have those fall leaves or the snow or the new budding flowers. Um, then there's also some that can be carried out anytime. There are some activities that um, kind of give the children a few props and then leave it up to their imagination to carry out a storyline, a few simple science experiments and experiences, and then some sidewalk chalk. Um, I can give you an example of one activity that really could be done anytime. That's called uh, the Nature Wristband. So you would take um, a section of duct tape and tape it sticky side up on your children's wrist, creating a sticky wristband. So then children go into the yard and they decorate their wristband with all the cool things they find in the yard. 
And I include also, um, I did a lot of studying and research on how the brain learns, and I've included tips for parents just in preparing their children for school or reviewing in the summertime the skills that they're learning. Um, And in this activity, um, we can use building patterns. Pattern building is a foundational math skill for early elementary students. And you can encourage your child to place their items in what's called an ABA pattern. So you would do something like pine needle, dandelion head, pine needle, dandelion head, or you could get more complex. Um, Also, with this activity, um, we have a four-year-old son, and he just is all about collecting stuff. So I've done this activity with him, and he's had two wristbands, a tie, and a belt, and he's got himself all decked out with all the things he collects from the yard. (laughs) Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun, and fun is the key, isn't it? It is. We want children to have positive experiences out in nature, and there are times that children go outside and they just run free and their imagination takes, takes them to their own places, and we don't want to force them with an activity that we artificially place on them. But this book is meant for those times when they just don't know what to do. They look in the backyard and all they see is just grass or just the same old tree in the same old sandbox. So it's in those moments where they're just not inspired that we reach for something like this, a resource to say, hey, you know what, I've got a new idea that you could use. And then, you know, children with their energy and enthusiasm take it over this novelty idea and it spurs on that fun play outdoors, and they keep enjoying themselves in nature. And as you put it, we can't rely, as parents, we can't rely on the school systems to do it all. In fact, the school systems really uh, hamper a lot of things because no child left behind mandate. Uh, 30% of kindergarten classes have no outdoor recess time. That is terrible. You know, that's exactly right, and I feel firmly that parents are the child's first teacher, and we have them for years at home, or we choose who our children are under the care of, and if we take those precious moments when they're young and teach them, they're playing outside, but we also help them find these teachable moments. It's amazing how much there is for a child to learn just in their very own backyard. Um, It's just needing to look at a leaf in a new, innovative way as a teaching tool, or bugs, or dirt, or clouds. Um, There's so much that we can teach children, and parents need to begin to take charge of their children's learning and not leave it all up to the school systems or wait until a child turns five years old, because... In their brain, in a child's developing brain, that window of learning is actually beginning to close. Some of their potential is beginning to already close by the time they're five. So we need to get children started as soon as we can and to implement that learning in nature as well as indoors. And all of the ideas in your book involve five minutes of setup time using only items found in a typical house or yard. That is crucial, and you have a list of materials before each uh, uh, what game or, or activity. activity. Thank you. Yes. You know, when I w- that was kind of my criteria for this book. Um, I wanted 
realistically, when I looked at what my day as a stay-at-home mom is like, I have so many things I need to get done that it's just unrealistic for me to take some lumber and some nails and put together a birdhouse on a just a random Tuesday afternoon. However, I can take five minutes and grab a brown paper bag, collect ten leaves in a bag, pass that to my child and say, okay, take this bag and now go find a match for those leaves. I've got brown paper bags at home. I've got leaves in my yard. I've got five minutes to initiate this outdoor activity that my child will play and learn from. So I wanted it to be, you know, set up in five minutes. So there goes the birdhouse idea. And using items that we already have in our homes, and there goes something like a rocket kit. As cool as that might be, um, it's less doable than, you know, things that, are already found in our homes, and it just makes outdoor play a part of who we are. And affordable. Very affordable. You know, that's the other thing. If we have to buy these new supplies, we're not going to have, that's going to become a special treat. It's not going to be part of our day-to-day life and become part of the fabric of who our children are. Um, It needs to be easy to implement, um, And you're right, with what we have happening right now in the economy um, and the lifestyle of people with young children, yeah, I want it to be something that we don't have to go on a special shopping spree just to be able to play outdoors. We have enough time for another example. Go ahead. Okay. Um, So another example, you know, I I kind of alluded to is called the leaf matchup game. So you would take a brown paper bag, and the parent goes out in the yard, and you collect eight to ten different leaves. And they don't have to all be trees. If you don't have, you know, an arboretum in your backyard, um, there are leaves on trees, there's bushes, even grasses like clover leaves um, have different unique leaves to choose from. I guess weeds, too, maybe in the field next door, right? Yes, absolutely. If your neighbor doesn't mind, go sneaking over there. (laughs) (laughs) So you give the bag to your child. And you ask them to find a match for those leaves in their bag. And for the young, for young children, what I've done is set up like a square on our front walkway, one square per child, so they can have kind of a station for organizing their leaves. And then they take, they set out their leaves and take them one at a time, and they go on a hunt around the yard. And it's so rewarding to to hear them kind of scream with sort of this victory yell that they found a match and they grab it, and they come running around, and they set it down, and they go off, and they go hunting for the next one. And some of them they might recognize, like, oh, that looks like the one right by the swing set. Um, And others they have to really go on a hunt for. And once they have all the matches made, then you come with them and talk together about what they have found, and then you got to think back to your middle school leaf collection days and see how many of those leaves can you identify and start to talk about Um, how the edges of some are jagged and others are smooth. You know, like a rhododendron leaf would be shiny and kind of a hard leaf, and a maple is very pliable. Um, It's a great way to just have a quick conversation about the nature that you can find in the yard. And this activity gets these children sorting and categorizing, comparing and contrasting, really doing some critical thinking while they're soaking up the sun and having a great time and learning a little bit about the nature in their own yard. 
Well, as you put it, you just need a catalyst or idea to spur on the creative juices. And, of course, outdoor play is just the right key exercise. Well, Miska, this has been very informative, uh, even inspirational. Maybe we, there's hope for all of us. I, I think so. You know, I think <laughs> we. if I can do it, anybody can do it. We can get these kids outside and turn off that TV from time to time. The title of the book, It's Time to Play Outside, 101 Ways for Your Young Child to Enjoy Independent Fun Under the Sun. Miska Reinsberger is the author. Miska, tell us how to get your book. The book is available through the publisher's website, authorhouse.com, or um, I have a website for the book um, that is www.itstimetoplayoutside, all one word, Dot com, um, and it is also available through any major book um, book retailer online as well. Thanks for being with us, Miska, on Author Talk. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Whether you're four and a half or 100, you can retrain your brain. Learning RX, the radio show, is on toginet.com, Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central Time with Martin Kruger. Learning RX programs are quick, they're efficient, they're life changing, and they're permanent. Unlike tutoring, cognitive skills training or brain training targets the root issue causing learning struggles. Time and money spent on chronic tutoring is a clear signal of cognitive skill deficiency. That's where Learning RX comes in. Call today, 903-617-6899, 903-617-6899. Then join us for the show here every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. And take advantage of the power it holds to improve your life. There are so many brain training issues that Learning RX can help you with. It's not a product, it's an experience. So join us for Learning RX, the radio show with Martin Kruger. Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Was sad because right. he had a death kill mommy and dad. Right. But that ain't the case. Nope. It wasn't his fate. No, nope. the wants never struggled to communicate. Y'all wave your hands. Look who's on. It's the code of man Keith and he's number one. It's that Keith Wine Show on Togginet.com, Wednesday nights at 8, 7 Central. Every week, that Keith Wine Show will have guests that share their experiences, expertise, opinions, and personal lives with us to hopefully help us better understand others. The topics and guests will come from the American Sign Language community. For more on Keith Wine and the show, go to his website, KeithWannWann.com. Listen with an open mind and willingness to learn and help with the cultural bridge. Number, number one, Keith's number one. Everybody back with the code of man. Don't miss that Keith Wan show. Wednesday nights at 8, 7 Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House, helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the book, Sell or Sink. Strategies, tactics, and tools every business leader must know to stay afloat. And the author, Michael Krauss. And Mike joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Mike. Hello, Steve. Thanks for having me on your show. I greatly appreciate it. Well, there's a lot of great material here, uh, a great tool for all those who are involved in sales and 
We're always having to either sell ourselves or products or ideas. Uh, this can be great for everyone. Let me read what you've written about your book, Sell or Sink. You say it gives you the basic strategies of successful selling and then shows you how to put these basics to work for your organization or personal selling. It's sort of like paint by the numbers. This is selling by the numbers, where the numbers are the strategies, tactics, and tools you adapt to your own selling environment. Of course, you say also that this is like a portable, personalized sales consultant, and we'll go into more on the details of that. But first of all, Mike, tell us your background. Uh, There's certainly a lot of books on sales out there. Uh, Give us your background and why you decided to publish this book. Yeah, very good. Um, You know, my background, I've always been in selling in fact, I'm fourth generation of salespersons in my family. And what I've done over time is actually take a step back from the sales process, not so much on how to close a person or how to open up a conversation or how to ask for referrals. It's actually peeling back the onion a little bit more and taking a look at your overall sales strategy. So when I was working with a lot of sales professionals and business owners, they really didn't have a sales plan. And I'm sure a lot of listeners would appreciate that. We're kind of always by the seat of our pants running around, and we're not working on our business. We're kind of working in your business. So what I did was I started doing a lot of research with business owners and sales professionals to come up with a plan so that it's short enough and in-depth enough that someone can walk away after reading the book step-by-step or paint-by-number, as you originally said, and at the end of it, they will have a sales plan, so that takes a look at their business. No different than an x-ray looking at your bone if it was broken. Give us some of your, uh, some of your achievements. Well, some of my achievements were um, I have um, sold over $100 million in products and services, and I did that through a strategy point of view. I, I would rather make one phone call than 20,000 calls. A lot of people beat themselves over the phone, and if your message isn't resonating with the prospect or client, you can call them 100,000 times, and it just won't matter. Um, I also have my bachelor's degree from St. Bonaventure and um, a master's degree from Roberts Wesley, and, and I do my continuing education through Rochester Institute of Technology. So I'm a big believer in always learning and always out there researching a little bit more and making it better and easier for a salesperson or a business owner to be successful in a down economy even. As in any conversation with uh, a friend or a new acquaintance or business or family, it, and if we're trying to achieve something, those first few words or maybe the first few sentences are so critical, aren't they? Absolutely. I believe in uh, the Malcolm Gladwell rule. He uh, wrote a book called Blink, and he, he boils it down to even three seconds. And you know, we, let's take a second to reflect in your own life. We've all had that rough start in a relationship or sales process or just in life in general. And you ask yourself, did it really get better? And I don't know, but mine, when I reflected on it, it really hasn't. So I'm really, really in touch with those first couple of seconds when I meet someone. I want to make sure that we're on the right page. And that's why it's critical for a salesperson to really know their unique value proposition or unique selling proposition in order to engage that client or prospect so that they're on the same page and you're not wasting their time. And more importantly, you're not wasting your time. I think we could all appreciate what you just said by just looking at 
the commercials that we listen to or see and right away we're kind of drawn in for because in just a few seconds or you know we kind of tune them out absolutely and if it's not in for me just like uh, a lot of us are if it's not in for me they do tune out and twitter and facebook and social media really have not helped this at all in fact it's made it harder for you to make that impactful message uh, um, in a few seconds or less so that they can really make sure that this person or sales professional is going to help them out. That's why you go back to traditional marketing and sales techniques, don't you? I mean, it's great, all that, uh, you know, networking and all that's involved with the social networks, but still we have to get back to the basics. Uh, Steve, you hit the nail right on the head. And that's one thing when I was doing my research with this book with the business owners and sales professionals is that they really have gone so far away from the basics. For example, mailing a letter, uh, which I talk about in the book. If you really have a targeted approach um, and you really know who your prospects are, send a letter. I'll tell you, the letters work because everyone gets so inundated with texting, social media, um, emails, um, et cetera, et cetera, that really the mail is one approach that you could go back to. And I'm not talking about a form letter with a barcode on the front of it and a, a metered stamp. I'm talking about something that's handwritten, that's personal, with a real stamp and a real envelope and a personal touch to it. And that will make an impact in that three seconds. And it seems to me the key word that you just said was personal. Personal. You have to keep it personal. No matter how much social media or any technology has come in, we're, at the end of the day, we're all humans. We're all very emotional uh, people, and we need to have that personal touch or that relationship. And going back to something, too, with email, the average person spends four hours a day on email. So imagine if they did get a personal letter from you or a personal thank you note, the impact that it would have for that person in that day. And it's really a unique, unique differentiator, I feel. Um, and a lot of salespeople have gone off to drift um, in social media in the fact that they think LinkedIn is going to be the next for, for picking up the phone or sending out a letter or being more, and it's not. It's, it's a nice touch in the middle of it, in the sales process, but it's not going to be the end-all, be-all. Um, and trust me, I, I've tried it, so I can speak to that, that's for sure. And another neat thing about my book is, uh, going back to your original question, Steve, is that you know a lot? There are a lot of sales books. There's no question about it. It's a very competitive field, and they're all great. The one thing that I added a little bit through is as a personal touch is I'm a big sailor. So not only did you, will you learn about sales and strategies and tactics, etc., you're also going to learn a little bit about history of sailing, also about um, you know some maneuvers in sailing, and it, it keeps it a little bit more interesting than just a sales book, I feel. And then at least you're getting a little bit of knowledge about sailing or water or what have you. And you're also learning along the way. So it's not, not that dry um, sales type of book. So. And what you're advocating uh, applies to all different sizes, different businesses, different sizes, Fortune 500 companies down to a, an individual? Absolutely. Um, and that was the big deal. I've always worked for big companies, Fortune 500 companies, and these same strategies, tactics, and tools can be used right down to a single person. 
And that is really the difference. And it's taking that outside point of view again. I can't stress that enough. It's taking a few minutes and really chapter by chapter uh, writing things down. For example, a SWOT analysis. A lot of people do know what a SWOT analysis is, but a lot do not. And that's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So by asking yourself four different questions about your own selling situation or your own business, you can easily start to adapt your unique selling proposition or unique value proposition by looking at your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. One other thing that makes my book a little bit different, too, is it's almost like a quasi-workbook. So when you have an idea or I ask you a question in the book, there's over 80 questions that I ask in the book, and then there's a spot for you to fill in. So that is really powerful. So when you're when I ask you the question, that's why I kind of reflect on it's like having a sales consultant in your back pocket. These are the same questions that I would ask a client on an initial couple of interviews to help them draft a sales proposition or approach or a process. So it gives you that opportunity to think on your feet and really just break things down as, as you go through the process. And as you point out, unanswered diagnostic questions represent weak, weak points in your understanding of business strategy basics. Absolutely. There, there could be one or two little things that you're missing right now in your sales process or in your business right now. And by reading the book and actually taking a look at a diagnostic, you could tweak or fix your process, and that would make the difference. There is so many different things that, for example, um, Intuit that we all know right now, you know, QuickBooks and TurboTax, and they have uh, so many products. Their ad in the late 1980s ran, Are You Frustrated? And that keyword, that one word, frustrated, launched them into a huge success because it all of a sudden resonated with the buyer and said, wow, I am frustrated with my taxes. I am frustrated with my accounting. I am frustrated. And that made a, a huge difference in that company, that one word. So you by, by you taking the time, and I know we're all busy, by you taking the time to work on your business, it really does make a difference, these little tweaks that you can do um, for yourself. Well, your book is broken down into eight strategies, right? Yes, it is. Eight strategies. Every, here's a few of them, everyone. Uh, what exactly are you selling? Strategic planning. What's a, uh, the SWOT analysis again, the S-W-O-T? Yeah, the SWOT analysis, again, is you're going to go through your strengths of That's your right. company, right. Your, your weaknesses, the opportunities that are out there, and the threats. Because we always have to be aware of our competitors. And they can be threats as well as allies. A lot of times there's a lot of partnering oper- um Opportunities. In fact, I'm going to a meeting today at 1.30, and it's going to be an opportunity to talk about partnering. So there's also a look in, into that. Fourth strategy, engage your star clients. Fifth, build a cash reserve. Boy, that's something that I'm sure is the uh, difference between a business staying alive and folding quickly. Steve, you hit, again, hit the nail on the head, is that that's the number one reason that a business goes out of business is the cash just goes away and you just you can't recover. And, and that's sad, and that's why a lot of businesses go out of business. 67% will never make it to their fifth-year anniversary. So uh, there, that's a big difference there is that the cash flow needs to be there. And I, and I give you some tools in there to kind of leverage when you do have cash to ask for cash. 
You talk about in the sixth strategy about realistic goal setting. Boy, we can dream a lot and kind of uh, too much pie in the sky. Absolutely. Well, you know, everyone wants to have a zillion dollars, and, and but if you don't have the step-by-step process, then you're not going to get to the zillion dollars. You're not going to be able to, unfortunately, make that happen. So it's real important that your goals are realistic and that you have a good crew on board, too. That's important, too. Um, if, you, if you have an employee that's been kind of, uh, you've been hesitating about, it's more than likely it's not going to get better, and it's important to have that person go on their separate journey as well as you continue on your goal. A lot of times, smaller companies especially hold on to these people because they have a, a critical role, but they could be a quote-unquote cancer to the organization. And it's important for you to move that person along quickly because they can hurt your business more than you think. Seventh strategy, keep your balance. Eighth is, do you have what it takes? Boy, there's a big question. I'm sure when people are struggling, they're looking in the mirror at the beginning of each day and saying, boy, do I I have what it takes? It's a long journey. It's a long journey. There's no question about it. Um, a lot of companies are started on a shoestring budget, and they don't, unfortunately, make it, and they leverage their homes, et cetera, and it just doesn't make it. And same with a sales professional. They, they just don't approach it as their own business. A sales professional is the closest to entrepreneurship that I can ever think of, because that's what I was for 12 years, is a, a sales professional. It was an entrepreneur. I had to go out there. Every day I started unemployed. I guess I always had that in my back of my head. Every day I'm unemployed. I got to go out and find the revenue, find the opportunities. And then that's really when you're focused on it. And that's what the book will help you do is focus your goals, have a strategy, and for you to not spin your wheels so much, but for you to have a concrete plan is really what makes the difference between success and failure. Mike, and you really have to work at it. You really have to stay focused. Absolutely. You have to have a focus, and going back to what you said, pie in the sky. You can't just be the pie in the sky. I'm a dreamer and a doer. There's no question it's good to dream, but on the other hand, you have to do it every day. Day in and day activity is important. Activity will drive the results. But if you don't do the activity, a lot of salespeople and business people get all caught up in, like, a big order comes in. They put all their time and energy around it for, let's say, two or three months, and then that opportunity closes. And then what happens is they go through a vicious cycle. Now they've got to go back to prospecting. They've got to go back to the hunting stage of the opportunities, and they get burnt out. It's important for you to do the same activities week in and week out so that you're going to be more flat or going up versus a up-and-down roller coaster. It's really important to stay focused on your goals. The title of the book, Sell or Sink, Strategies, Tactics, and Tools Every Business Leader Must Know to Stay Afloat, and the author is Michael Kraus. Mike, tell us how to get your book. Oh, very good. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on today. I really have enjoyed our time together. You can go out to salessensesolutions.com to purchase the book, as well as um, on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. And also, there's a special website that I've set up specifically for the book, and it's sellforsync.com. And, of course, it can be purchased at authorhouse.com. So there's many ways to get this 
purchase to you, um, and I would welcome the opportunity. And for your listeners, you know, I'm happy to autograph them and ship them out to them as soon as possible. So I really appreciate everyone listening today. Michael Krause, thanks for being on Author Talk. Thank you so much, Steve. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Coming live from Seattle, Washington, home of the biggest and best internet companies on the World Wide Web, it's SEO Radio, starring Brandon Knott. Tuesday nights at 10 Central, 8 p.m. Pacific on Toginet.com. SEO Radio. This pioneering internet and social media entrepreneur will share some of his most super efficient opportunities with you, small business owners, and future entrepreneurs to help you build a future like Amazon or Expedia Online. There's never been a marketing strategy that's been so effective at allowing small businesses to compete with the big boys. And Brandon now helps you learn these easy as one, two, three. SEO. For more on Brandon, check out his website, SeattleOrganicSEO.com. SEO Radio. Get set for SEO Radio, starring Brandon Nye. Tuesday nights at 10 Central, 8 p.m. Pacific, on Toginet.com. Do holidays and celebrations get you down and leave you feeling frazzled? Then join Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon, 11 a.m. Central, on Toginet.com. Sandy will help you discover the secrets to having the celebrations you've always dreamed of while adding fun and meaning to your life. From Valentine's Day to Christmas to special family events, Sandy Fowler will show you how to put the fun and meaning back into those special days by taking a look at what we can do to turn the upcoming holidays into cherished memories and show us how to allow it to intertwine with everyday life. For more on the show, Sandy, and to receive Sandy's Holiday Happiness Booklet, go to HeartfilledHolidays.com. Then get set to discover the secrets to creating happy holidays and happy everydays by joining Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon Eastern Standard Time on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House, helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the books, Travis's Ladder, and folks, Lena New. And the author is Winnie Dowden Wyatt, and Winnie joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Winnie. Hello. Good to have you with us. Uh, we're going to talk about two books that you've recently written. Uh, both of them are focused on preteens. These would be books that preteens would enjoy and identify with. Travis's Ladder is about a young man called, you know, named Travis and how he deals with life at that time and, and romance, drugs, and uh, then, of course, folks, Lena New deals with illegal immigration and obviously a very controversial subject today. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Winnie, and, uh, and why you've written these two books for preteens. I've written many things for young folks through the years, for American Red Cross News, Child Life, and I had grandchildren that I wanted to write something for them that would expose them to things they would face, and they rather helped me along with it. I'd read them a chapter and say, how's this going, 
and so I wrote it for them. Now, I've written many things uh, in life, but this was particularly for preteens, uh, for my grandchildren at the time that they were preteens. So that's why I wrote them, one for a boy who was had to face a lot of things in life, and one for a young girl who also had to face uh, some challenges. Well, let's start out with Travis's ladder. Tell us about Travis. Travis was a young guy that had to leave home from West Texas to go to school. It was his first entry into the real world where he learned to play football and got knocked down and knocked out and learned all the challenges that faces playing a game is like playing life. Now, his grandfather told him, you're leaving, but you're climbing a ladder. And as you go from one step to the next, you're still climbing that ladder. All of us are climbing. So that was the essence of the the ladder. Now, does he have a great relationship with his grandfather? Does he listen? Yes. He has a great relationship with his grandfather, more so than with his father, who's sort of in and out, but no real uh, effect on his life. But his grandfather was the one who was uh, important to him. And then he goes and lives with a man who is a teacher, and his wife was also a teacher. He stays with them so that he can attend school. Uh, ranches in Texas are very far apart, so he had to go into town and live so that he could uh, go to high school. And there he uh, learned to play football. He met a girl that he adored and who gave him a, a slapping down, and he had to face those things. And then he was invited to share in a marijuana smoke. He had to face that. And he realized he was almost falling off his ladder. And then he met a man that uh, had a transplanted heart. So he, all of these things made him realize that life was uh, pretty hard at times, but worth climbing that ladder. And that... Preteens, if they'll listen to the folks around them, uh, will be a lot stronger to face life. It sounds like his coach was uh, a real influence on him. His coach was an influence on him, his uh, grandfather, and also the men that he and woman that he lived with uh, who were retired teachers. They were a great influence on his life, and he was willing to listen uh, to them. And it was uh, this that made him realize that life was was hard, a hard ladder to climb, but it was worth working at. Why does the man with the transplanted heart have such an impact on him? Uh, He resented this man because he felt the man had intruded on... Uh, the lives of the people he lived with because it was their daughter whose heart this man had transplanted into him. And so he resented uh, the pain that uh, seeing him caused these older people, but they were glad to, uh, for the young man uh, the, to have a heart that their daughter had, uh, had given them. So that was the, the heart. It was the heart of the folks that he lived with, it was their daughter's heart that the young man uh, had inside him. And that was just a marvel to him, that, you know, the man could go on uh, with someone else's heart. 
Now, is this a little snapshot of Travis's life just when he's 12? Is it just that period of time? Just that period of time, yes. It covers, oh, hardly a year in his life. And that, everyone, is Travis's Ladder, uh, the title of the book. Now let's switch and talk about folks Lena knew. Tell us about Lena. Lena was a little girl who had lived on a ranch in West Texas. West Texas is terribly dry, as you know. We have droughts. And they had to go to South Texas where her father worked picking oranges in an orange grove. It was there that she first saw an illegal uh, person swimming the Rio Grande to get to Texas. And she realized that this was a part of it and that the people that she knew and lived with in South Texas, many of them were illegal immigrants. She went to a funeral and she saw uh, the family uh, ties in a Mexican-oriented family. And then she gets to appreciate that. Then she moves back to the branch. Things got a little bitter for them. So she moved back because it's been bought by a billionaire who himself turns out to have been an illegal immigrant born on this side in a cave on the Rio Grande, but his father registered him as an American. And so he became an American. He fought in the war. And Lena got to know that you swim the river, whoever you are, when you get to America, all of us are pretty much alike. And I guess I just made the connection as you were talking about the illegal immigrant swimming the Rio Grande. Is that why they're called wetbacks? That is why they're called wetbacks, and Lena I, I doesn't never know what the, the term yeah, is. I never wetback, thought of that before. Until she sees one swim the river. Wow. And she she knows what a wetback is. Right, and and she develops a, a, a relationship with the dot-com. Uh, the dot-com Very rich yes. man. <laughs> yeah, she, uh, well, just a child. She expects him to be different. She expects him to be, but she sees he wears work boots like uh, in in Texas, and uh, he doesn't have any gold on him as she expected him to be, that he is just flesh and blood like she is, uh, all our feet being made of clay. Oh, especially being 12 and having a very... Just a real small view of the world that would make sense of the things that you're saying. Yes. So these books, obviously, they're theme-driven. That's important to you. Yes. It's important to me. I think it is to everybody. It should be. And uh, are there some other ideas you have for additional books uh, for the teen, preteen uh, reader? Oh, uh, I am almost 80 years old, so my writing time is probably limited, but I I still like to express things, so uh, we'll see. And you see a need, obviously, to try to help preteens think through things, and that's what these, these uh, books do. Hopefully, yes. Uh, some of my former stories that were written, because I lived in Africa for some time and I'm very familiar with many things there, 
they were written for children so that uh, they were written about African children and the kind of life they had to live. So that was my themes in the past, uh, in that period of my life, uh, about a little boy who uh, all he wanted was a, a pot of water. It was just so precious to him. Uh, that that to him was a great gift to have a, a pot of water all his own. He didn't have to share it with anybody. Uh, that story was written in child life, and then it was uh, in a collection of children all over the world uh, for that reason. And then another African story, a little girl who just had a little bit of money to spend, and she, how she spent it unselfishly. And another was a kid who went on a wild buffalo hunt so i've written for children for a long time and in the meantime i've also written for adults of three published books for them as well the titles of these preteen books uh travis's ladder and folks lena new and the author is winnie dowden wyatt winnie tell us how to get your books well, you can get them from my website. I think they're on uh, e-books, or you can get them from Amazon, uh, just on, on the Internet, anywhere. Uh, local bookstores, of course, in our area have them, but uh, anybody can get them anywhere uh, on the Internet. They can get them as e-books, or they can get them as uh, hard copies. And what is your website? WinnieDowdenWyatt.com. WinnieDowdenWyatt.com. Well, thank you, Winnie. Thanks for being on Author Talk. Well, thank you for having me.